What is going on, everybody? The podcast, P4C, beautiful, dreary, rainy April day, St. Louis, Missouri. Thanks for tuning into the show. Got a lot to talk about. Nashville Stars, the new expansion team for Major League Baseball. I actually think it'd go a different way. Going to talk about that. Dave Stewart is heading the new ownership search. And Colin Kaepernick has brought public comments to the internet. We're going to talk about what he said. There's also MLB and Apple TV. Got a hit on Katie Nolan and kind of just the shame she's bringing to baseball and in the media world overall. We need to talk about the San Francisco Giants and what they did last week against the Padres and the unwritten rules of baseball. Fam, Tommy Fam, the guy's irrelevant. I'll explain why. Wainwright, Adam Wainwright, continues to be excellent and really kind of showing us what happens with pitchers, kind of hit that low point, what can happen if you give them one or two years. And then Debo Samuel has requested a trade. I'll tell you why I'm not totally hating it. Let's get to it. Episode 82 of the podcast. Just got it pushed to my phone. Major League Baseball in Nashville. Looks like Dave Stewart, former... Oakland A, I think he also pitched for the Blue Jays. He's a three-time Cy Young Award winner. He's uh, played for three different teams in a World Series. Uh, He's a black man, and he's going to be heading the search for a minority owner to lead the Nashville Stars uh, once Major League Baseball is ready for expansion, which it's going to be after the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays have new stadiums. Rob Manfred has always said that, but it's clear his goal as commissioner, he wants to be remembered as the commissioner that expanded the league. And it looks like Nashville is going to be one of them. They have the most traction right now. And then I know that Montreal is obviously trying to get a club as well. It'd be cool to have the Expos back in the league. I think it's great. When you look at Vegas with the Raiders, um, and obviously they have the hockey team too, They're an entertainment capital. I know they have businesses there as well, but they obviously went all in on the entertainment side of things. 60 years ago, it's only grown into more of a Disneyland-type family atmosphere in Las Vegas. Nashville is the same way. Not nearly as big, not the same type of party, but Nashville is the same way. They went all in on entertainment. It drew younger crowds It drew people that want to have fun and take Nashville as a long weekend. And now if you can go see a baseball game, that's only going to drive more into the city of Nashville. Because think about baseball. It's an everyday sport. Maybe you have more of a crowd. I'm just saying maybe even incrementally, if you a few years into this, ask the businesses, maybe they do see an uptick in what's going on because there has been a major league baseball team near you know, the hot, uh, hot areas of their town. So I think you look at Las Vegas with the NFL, with hockey, and this has a great chance of succeeding. Um, I do not think that Las Vegas would do well with baseball due to altitude. I don't think there's any way Rob Manfred, um, you know, allows the Oakland A's to go there. I think he's allowing them to use it as a bargaining chip to get a team from Oakland, Uh, or to get a stadium from Oakland, I could actually see the A's going to Nashville. You know, there's this upstart, there's this group that's trying to expand the league, but 
you know, Manfred might say, you know, Dave, I really like your efforts here. I want you to actually try and get a team in Raleigh, North Carolina, or I want you to try and get a team in uh, Montreal, Canada. You know, it's one of those things where I could see the A's becoming the Las Vegas or the uh, Nashville A's, not the Las Vegas A's, because you know, I just I you look at Colorado, you look at altitude, it's just too hard to compete, and I don't think any owner, if they're going to put that much into it, they're just going to voluntarily go into a situation like that. So obviously Vegas works with the dome sports, the arena sports. I think Nashville would, would work great and it could be the A's or it could be the new Dave Stewart led squad uh, with this new thing that's been announced for major league baseball. Pretty cool. And cannot wait to see when major league baseball expands. I know Colin Kaepernick went on a podcast. I think it was with Brandon Marshall, uh, Adam Pacman Jones, one f- other former NFL player. Um, they were asking him about his plans, and he said that he's hoping to get back in the NFL, the goal being a starter, uh, but he would take a backup job. And I don't even hate the guy. I really don't. Like Kaepernick, from what I've heard, like he, you know, he's fine. Teammates respect him, like him. Um, you know, I do question, is he all in on football? That was even before the protests. I, I don't like that he's even mentioning the fact that he has a goal of being a starter. A- at this point, man, you haven't played in five years. Can you really even be talking about starting a game in the NFL? In the history of the league, has there ever been a guy that's taken five years off and then came back and got a starting job in the NFL. I know Mike Vick went to jail for, I think it was just a year that he missed. One year as far as football. Maybe it was two. Um, I know it, summer of 07, 08. Yeah, he was back in 09. It was one year. But Colin Kaepernick says he has a goal of starting and winning a championship. And look, competitor, I get it. Some of these athletes, though, they're so blind to reality. They're, they're delusional. You don't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning a championship or even getting a starting job back. And there's plenty of people that believe he is deserving and even entitled to a backup job. No, he's not. Like I mentioned, before the August 2016 protests uh, with the National Anthem, Colin Kaepernick was red flagged by his own organization, not loving football, the Bose headphones in the cafeteria, was not talking to his teammates. The guy was uh, LIFO, last in, first out. He was not about football. It has all gotten lost with the circus that was the protest. And look, I I get that. When something that big, that huge of a storm comes out, you're probably going to forget what happened. But it should be noted when we're talking about him potentially getting uh, revisited as a, as a potential roster player in the NFL. Because, look, he, he was red flagged before this. And he's not that great of a player. People think he's a special talent. No, he's not. If he was a special talent, he would have a job. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, if they knelt during the anthem, they would have jobs. So Colin Kaepernick talking about potentially starting, winning championships, you know... Sorry, bud. (laughs) You think you align with what the NFL has, like the end racism and in the end zone and 
you know, uh, you know, just, you know, all, all the social injustice uh, initiatives that they're taking. You're right. You guys have the same core value, but they're breaking records without you, bro. Like they are pumping cash. Biggest revenue since 2015 without you. Why the hell would they bring you back in? You're going to move the needle? Yeah, right. Marginally. There's no place for Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. If I was an NFL owner, I would see no potential reward in hiring him. One thing that has been rolled out this year with Major League Baseball is Apple TV. They're doing the Friday night series. They got Hannah Kaiser, um, Chris Young, who I like a lot. Uh, And then during the late night game, I know they have Steven Nelson and Katie Nolan and Hunter Pence. And, you know, look, I'm all for them really trying to gas up a broadcast. I know it's Friday night baseball. Uh, They're typically taking divisional games or just marquee matchups, you know, first place teams squaring off. And they're really trying to fill the dead airtime. They want a lot of talking because that's how you really pump up a baseball game. You know, in regional broadcasts with your local team, a lot of it is story. It's slow. It's rhythmic because it's a long season. You're going to be hearing these guys for 160 ball games. So you can, you know, go a, a pitch or so 45 seconds without anybody saying anything. But in the playoffs, you see that change. They have a lot of organic urgency and enthusiasm because it is the playoffs. I like that Apple TV is over here saying, hey, let's get some young people that are enthusiastic and that want to talk because it's Friday Night Baseball. We're we're trying to make this a big deal. And right now they're, you know, rolling it out for free, uh, even if you're not a subscriber to Apple TV. So then you get hooked, you know, classic, um, classic method there. But one thing that's really irking me here, and I think Hannah Kaiser you know, she's a staff writer, obviously doesn't have a whole lot of broadcasting experience. For someone that's, this is the first rodeo, play-by-play, she's doing a good job. But Katie Nolan, she's done great with her little shtick of, like, being sarcastic and being, like, a, almost like a tomboy type of girl and, you know, acting dumb in playful situations. Not that she is dumb, she's obviously quite intelligent, a millionaire, but it is a, you know, slap in the face. If you're someone that's in the upper Northeast, Rhode Island Mudhounds been calling their games for 12 years and Katie Nolan, who's asking if you tag the helmet of a player, if that player is ruled out, you hear that Katie Nolan is in a major league broadcast booth. I mean, come on. Are you not just fuming in the, you know, uh, rural America, in Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, in farm farmland, California, where minor league baseball is all you got and you're just trying to get noticed, trying to gain exposure? She has got to go. I'm okay in all four trying new voices. Kaiser, Chris Young, who's a former player and doing the uh, color commentating just like Nolan. They're great. I think it's cool. I'm happy to see where they can go. I don't think it's a fantastic broadcast right now. I think it'll get better. But when you got Katie Nolan, who's just doing her little shtick like she's done on her TV shows with ESPN and, you know, trying to just be this goofball, I'm sorry. They got to get her out and get her out immediately because, one, it's pissing off people who 
are qualified for that job. And it just doesn't really play in a broadcast booth. At least Kaiser and Young, they're trying to go about it in a semi-traditional way. I don't think I'm going to be someone that subscribes to it. I know if Katie Nolan continues to be in the booth, it's just going to be a laughing stock and traditional baseball folks. Even if you're not you know, old school, you're not going to like hearing her on Friday evening. So I, I think this is a failure in the second game, the B game in the West Coast. And uh, Katie Nolan definitely has a place in sports media, has been very successful. But as far as calling baseball games, she needs to be out. Gabe Kapler and the San Francisco Giants making headways for laying down a bunt in the ninth inning of a nine-run baseball game against the Padres. And we have reopened the unwritten rules of baseball, and I am happy to discuss it. A lot of people are tired of it. But what those that are opposed to unwritten rules who say they aren't real or that they're fake or antiquated need to understand is that the discussion is happening still because the opposing dugout is telling you they are real. There are rules that aren't in the rule book. There are customs, like any job industry, any culture, that, you know, it's not in the book, it's not in the code of conduct, it's not in the regulations, but God damn it, they're, they're real. You, you better adhere to them. You better observe them, because otherwise, some people are going to be pissed off. I, I work in a sales job, and a coworker. If there's a personal friend or relative family member that wants to buy the product or get the service, the coworker gets it. It's not in the rules. Technically, I could have the right to the sale, but if you execute that, if you convert it, yeah, you're, you're going to get the cold shoulder or someone's going to file that away mentally and they're going to return the favor to you uh, at an inopportune time. As we all know, that's how life works. If you're... In the uh, bar industry or food industry, if you're a waitress or if you're a bartender, manager, if, if you're on your cell phone taking calls, is that not a fuck you to the rest of your crew? May not even be in the rules. May not even be uh, on you know what you signed when you took the job. But it's fucking real. Like, you can't do that. It's the same thing with baseball. And all of these are different. Fernando Tatis swinging 3-0 a couple years ago. Uh, 3-0 swing from that Sox player um, against the Minnesota Twins position player on the mound. And, of course, you know, laying down a bunt in the ninth inning. They're all different because they're all different situations. I know the media and fans just want to umbrella all of them and treat them all the same and talk about how they're uh, in ways racist, outdated, and take the fun out of the game, the emotion, the personality. Guess what? The opposing dugouts tell you that they do matter. And that the Tim Andersons of the world, the Trevor Bowers of the world, the back in the day, uh, 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 Gomez, who what's his name on the Brewers, uh, Carlos Gomez. Yeah, they're, they're not the only ones that exist. There are the Bumgarners. There are the... Uh, uh, Lance Lins. There are the traditionalists that are still out there. The Rocco Baldelli of the world, the, the the Twins manager, and even the Padres from this most recent example. Those guys are out there too. And guess what? They don't take too kindly to this. And so this discussion is going to continue to happen as long as the opposing dugout or both sides are not on the same page. And Gabe Kapler, he tried to defend it 
talking about how the player who I don't even know his name, Mauricio something, he's a fringe player, how he's fighting and clawing to stay on a major league roster. Yeah, Cap, I I don't buy for a second that him laying down a bunt in the ninth inning of a nine-run game in which the third baseman is not defending the play. I don't think that really won you over as, hey, a smart baseball play, and that, that that's going to keep him on the roster. No, you're, you're going to cut him for other reasons. And even if there are multiple situations like this, no player faces this more, maybe, maybe, than three times a year. Unwritten rules, they are important because if everything was an actual rule, then we would just be animals caged into these barriers that we put up ourselves as society. Instead, it's much easier to self-govern and understand that we're going off the honors you know, uh, policy here. And then if you don't, there's going to be consequences, oftentimes from your own side. Baseball is that way. Oftentimes, if a pitcher is thrown at a batter, his lineup will come over and say, hey man, cut that shit out. If you got personal beef, you got to handle this a different way because I'm in the lineup and I'm stepping into that batter's box. Now I'm going to get hit because of your selfish shit. That's the way we should be governing ourselves. Not for everything, I get it. But baseball, that's something that needs to be remembered and passed down to generations of ball players. Helps you stay grounded. Helps you remember this game's hard. You can go 4 for 4, but the next day you could be 0 for 4, 4 strikeouts. Unwritten rules are real. I know most folks here in St. Louis know that Tommy Pham was a bit of a breath of fresh air for a lot of fans, St. Louis Cardinals players. Traditionally, much like Paul Goldschmidt, um, even Albert Pujols, um, maybe not in the same way, but they, they just don't share a whole lot. Yadier Molina, uh, even Jim Edmonds, it's just head down, do your thing, work hard, play ball sort of deal. So Tommy Pham, for a lot of folks, it was a breath of fresh air, and they liked him. But they have been really loyal to a fault with him. The guy's irrelevant now. Really is. He's batting 143. Last year, he batted you know his weight. He's not good. And John Mazalock, victory. W. He won this. I know there was a lot of people pissed off in St. Louis that they traded him in 2018, and then he had a you know, a good year, great year, in Tampa Bay in 2019. Since then, yeah, he's been awful. John Mazalek won that trade. He traded away a guy with a degenerative eye, a guy who's always injured, and a guy who called out the entire front office. And people were scratching their heads, angry even, that John Mazalek did that. I applauded it. I said it was great return. <laughs> Sold high after he was playing well after the 2017 season and even 2018. And look where they are now. Maybe the best outfield in baseball. Tommy Pham is now talking about Luke Voigt and challenging him to a fight. It's like, Tommy, how about you just maybe focus on hitting and trying to reestablish yourself as a major leaguer? You didn't have a job until spring training got underway with Cincinnati. I, I know... Everybody appreciates someone who just speaks their mind all the time, particularly the media, because, again, that is their source. Fans, they love trash talk. Talk is cheap. Tommy Pham, he epitomizes that. Talk is cheap. That's why guys like me, we speak into a microphone, okay? And it's why we're on the sidelines. We have nothing to do with the actual game. He is in the game, and the guy 
All he can do is speak. All he can do is talk. He can't shut up. And look how he's doing on the field. He's awful. I've never seen a more prime example of being a loser than someone that is awful at playing their sport, but then cannot shut their mouth. Kind of like Josh Norman, although he's kind of tampered it down uh, in NFL circles. Luke Voigt, as far as the slide, I mean, it looked pretty natural to me. He threw his hands down because that's what you do to break your you know, uh, stride when you're running. You, you throw your hands down onto the ground when you slide to slow yourself down. I don't think he went in there with a fist to sucker punch, as one Cincinnati Red put it, uh, to Stevenson, their catcher. Obviously a hard play. Obviously a play you don't like to see. You don't like to see anybody injured and not know where the hell they are, but it wasn't dirty by any means. And the Reds, they're a shitty ball club. They're going to rack up a lot of L's. And Tommy Pham, frankly, he's going to be a reason for a lot of it. Tim Anderson, who's obviously a better player than Pham, a guy who also is just talk shit, flip the bat, home runs, take no prisoners, let's make this about you know, competing for the best uh, circus act. Uh, he threw up the bird to the Cleveland fans. Uh, second time in a week that's happened. Kyrie Irving did it in the NBA playoffs. I just, why? Players are such babies. Like, screams immaturity that you are so fed up and caught up with what the fans are doing. You're so insecure. Because if you truly did not care, it wouldn't bother you. You wouldn't even be giving it attention. There is no support that makes sense for for this. There really doesn't. Like, does Paul Goldschmidt, does Tom Brady, does Albert Pujols, does Clayton Kershaw? No, they, they don't even give it attention because they realize how much better off they are than the people who are pathetic losers screaming from the grandstands who are, who are making insulting things. If there's a threat, I get it. But you're making $30 million. Does it really matter what they say? You're, you have such a better life. That, that tells me that you're insecure about who you are. That you have vulnerabilities. It's pathetic. It's sad. Golly. But let's talk about Adam Wainwright. He is put in another great start yesterday. Uh, almost went six innings. Ali Marmol did not want to go get him down there in Miami. Uh, but he led up two base runners. And, you know, the Cardinals got an easy W against a bad Miami Marlins team. The guy continues to defy uh, what you really would expect out of someone his age. But he's almost kind of turning my point of view of pitchers who are aging. The Justin Verlanders, CC Sabathias, Bartolo Colones, and now Adam Wainwright. These are guys that have great starts to the career, pitch well into early 30s, but then they really stumble and maybe even sometimes just nosedive into their late 30s and you start to think, man, they might be toast. They might be done. But then they recreate themselves. CC Sabathia was talking to Andy, Andy Pennant and getting the cutter. Um, Justin Verlander was pitching higher up in the zone and throwing more fastballs. Next thing you know, his velocity is back. Bartolo Colon, it was him strictly throwing fastballs and only fastballs, but in the sinker, in the cutter, in the two-seam and four-seam variety, all of them. And with Adam Wainwright, you know, it's it's been a couple things. Um, namely, he's just kind of pitching smarter with his sequency. And it just goes to show when you have an excellent starting pitcher, 
if they are you know top tier elite guy ace whatever you want to call them and then they start to nosedive if they can really find someone who's gone through it before it's going to take them two years year and a half two years but then they can rediscover their prior form but in a different way and that's what we're seeing with adam wainwright i know Pujols. i know yachty's retiring this guy like if he's going to pitch like this going forward why would you retire if you could make going for him now 10 12 million a year pitching at you know 40 years old and playing major league baseball why wouldn't you especially when he's you know on the verge i would say he's probably a little too far away but for some folks they would put him in the hall of fame he's close to it so why would you hang it up and the cardinals you know I, i'll be the first to admit I need to eat a, a huge L on this one. 2017 San Diego, uh, you know, he, he was just awful. And it was probably the lowest point I ever saw Adam Wainwright. I think it was 2018, actually. I thought he needed to hold a press conference and retire midseason. But then he, you know, took the rest of the year off. I, I think he was injured. And then he rediscovered himself. 2019, he did well. 2020, obviously, abbreviated quirky year and... 2021 and now he's he's just excellent and you know definitely I, I take the L got this one wrong and Adam Wainwright continues to anchor the Cardinals rotation and I think it really shows you with these pitchers there's going to be a, a brief hole in their careers where they have to rediscover their form and learn how to do it and he's a prime example so I was going to hit on the wide receiver market as a whole, and you know I still will, but it'll be more Debo Samuel-centric because he's demanded a trade um, from the 49ers, and it's here on Wednesday, uh, the 20th, 420. Hopefully you're listening to this sober as a goat. And you know with Debo Samuel, my first reaction was he's being a baby, immature, not toughing it out, because oftentimes I do think that. In this situation, you know, after thinking it over, I was like, okay, wide receiver, getting used at running back. He wants to get used a certain way so he can get paid a certain way. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting in a request to get traded. You're just asking. You know, the, the, the rule of thumb with anything is you don't know if you don't ask. And maybe he's not trying to get out. And maybe he's not like Baker or like Deshaun Watson was where he demands a trade. And then says, I'm never playing for your organization again. Maybe he's just saying, hey, like, I, I'm requesting a trade. Like, let me go. But, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll, I'll be there at training camp. And I think that's what will happen because Kyle Shanahan and the Niners, you know, he's worth it. There's no reason um, to just give in immediately. Maybe if it takes a little bit of a turn, then you happily do it because you're selling high. And there would be plenty of teams that would see him as I dynamic playmaker and probably would pay him likely too much but san francisco is typically pretty smart in how they do things and you know debo the, the reality is he's had eight games of excellent football and so if he's thinking he wants top tier wide receiver money 25 million dollars like you know that ain't happening man Devonte adams tyreek they've been in the league since 2014 2016 putting seasons on seasons on seasons of, of top rated ball. You just did that this year. So yeah, if I'm the Niners, I'm not handing out an extension. I'm not quickly trading him, but you know, if, if it gets ugly down the road here, I would happily do that because his production's never been higher. 
it will not get higher. And there's a good chance because he's such a phys- physical player. You know, this could be the, the best of the best. Like, he's not going to be a durable guy. And, you know, he's, he's scrubbing his mentions or his Instagram. Like, again, just with the pensulent stuff that athletes do, you act like you're like 10 years old. There's no, no adults anymore. It's awful. But, you know, Debo, I, I, it rubbed me the wrong way initially. But then I thought, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking. Maybe it works out where you go to New England or you go to Las Vegas or you go wherever and they use you. You get what you want. 49ers recoup picks and everybody's happy. Um, it, my initial thought was, oh, this is a demand, but there's a difference between a demand and a request. This seems to be the request variety. I think they ultimately work it out. I do not think that they sign him quite yet. I think they want to see how this plays out and see if he can put together another fantastic year. So we'll see where it goes and we'll talk more if we need to next episode. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We will see you guys next week.